Martha Agnew was well aware of the accusations Gregory Agnew faced, namely that he killed her former friend, Tammy Niver. He was never charged, and she still married him. They were in the middle of their divorce when Martha herself turned up dead. You know, she welcomed everybody. She only saw the good in people. Something triggered in her. It's where she finally saw the light, and she knows what he did. You know what I'm saying? And she talked about it. And she probably told the wrong people. This is Michigan Crime Stories. Crime Stories is a podcast that explores murder, mysteries, and mayhem in the Mitten State. Criminal behavior has always enthralled us. It's when societies determine what is and isn't allowed. We assume heinous crimes are committed by monsters, individuals we dehumanize in an effort to make sense of their deeds. Their victims sometimes seem distant, just faded names in a passing headline. But the terrifying truth is that crimes are committed by ordinary people just like you and me. And many of those crimes happen right in our own backyard. My name is Darcy Moran. And this is John Counts. We're reporters for MLive.com and your hosts for Michigan Crime Stories. This episode is the season finale of Michigan Crime Stories. It's also the final piece in a four-part special on MLive's investigation into the disappearance of Tammy Niver and the death of Martha Agnew, as told by host and reporter on this story, Darcy Moran. If you haven't listened to the first episodes, you may want to start there. We left off discussing the February 2018 death of Martha Agnew and the arrest of her husband, Gregory Agnew, who was previously suspected in the 1993 disappearance of his ex-girlfriend, Tammy Niver. In this installment, we'll explore how their stories intertwine. This episode is titled, The Tangled Web. article was just one of many clippings stuffed into the manila folder Tammy Niver's friends slowly flipped through as we spoke this summer. They'd been recalling the search parties they gathered in August 1993, how they slogged through the rush of Ypsilanti Township hoping to find their missing friend, her or her corpse. The article was titled, Search for Niver, Turns Up Nothing. It was written by our regional editor, Sarah Scott you heard in the previous episodes discussing her time as an Ypsilanti press reporter. You know, as, as days turned into weeks, turned to, into months, um, it became, you know, pretty clear that we were no longer really looking for Tammy Niver. We were looking for a body. Scott interviewed friends who gathered ahead of one search at a superior township home where Tammy Niver had been staying. Two of them told Scott they'd met Tammy through their sister, who lived in the same building as Tammy when she lived there with Greg. That sister was Martha Agnew. Sheila Sobolewski and Donna Shaw, Martha Agnew's sisters, who heard in the previous episodes, were the searchers. They told Sarah Scott they were all close with Tammy Niver. When one of the kids would have a birthday, we'd all get together, they said. She was like one of the family. In fact, speaking to us in 2018, the family claimed detectives showed up to their family home when Tammy Niver went missing. It was our dad's car that Martha was borrowing that was found at the scene. The police came to our house that morning. Mm-hmm. 
and they knocked on the door. As we've said before, the Washington County Sheriff's Office has declined to comment on much of this case. When asked specifically about some of the claims made by family, not all which we're discussing, but including whether Tammy was driving Martha's family car, they said only that some of the statements and questions were inaccurate. They didn't respond when asked to clarify which statements they were referring to. What we can tell you is that Martha Agnew's family feels certain it was their family car, and that Martha was watching Tammy's children the night she went missing. Court records support that suggestion. Martha Agnew took guardianship of Niver's children four days after the 1993 disappearance. The arrangement was said to have lasted about three months. By family recollection, Martha was still in a relationship with her first husband at the time. Greg and Martha got together a few years later, according to family, and Martha and her first husband divorced in 1997. It wasn't a situation where it was like, oh, the next day they're together. Graduated in 95. It was 95 or 96. 95, because I bought my house in 96. And um, I remember when she started saying when we were at Hops, and that picture might be on that freaking board, that her and Greg have a thing together, like they're going to date or whatever. What Martha thought of Greg's ties to Tammy Niver and her suspected murder isn't clear or confirmed. But as you heard before, her daughter, Michelle Singh, believes Martha married Greg so she wouldn't have to testify against him about it. However, Singh told us that during the divorce, detectives showed up. They wouldn't confirm, but Singh said it was just weeks before Martha Agnew moved into the Eugene Street home where they'd later find her dead body. They came here, you know, three weeks before she moved into the Eugene house. They were still asking, are you divorcing him because of Tammy? Is it so she was here for this. We weren't. Yeah, I'm not privy to this. Like, yeah. I don't know anything about this either. She, yeah. even, she even messaged Greg and told him. So, I mean, they came here before. I. That's the first time I ever met them, actually. After months of investigating and trying to learn the truth, I had to ask Martha Agnew's family this. One question I've got a lot of, it, I don't know if you guys want to comment, it's a theory. Could she have known something or could she have told Greg she was going to talk about something? Could she have been in on whatever happened to Tammy? She was not in on anything. She was not in on anything. No she was way. watching those children the night that this happened. She was yeah. not in on anything that yeah. happened to Tammy. There's no way. She Could she have found something else? Who knows? Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I can't I can't for 100% 100% certainty say anything about what did she know and what she didn't know. Yeah. yeah. What she knew and what she didn't know cannot say. Cannot yeah. say. Because yeah. I mean, the, the next question is, you know, if that could have been a motive if she for for bragging her death. Why would that be a motive? Greg Agnew has never been charged in the suspected death of Tammy Niver, though prosecutors in 2018 revealed he remains a suspect. That's in part due to information obtained by MLive in our own probe. The case itself remains under police investigation. Gregory Agnew, as of October 22, 2018, remains held without bond and charged with open murder in the death of Martha Agnew. Gregory Agnew's attorney maintains his innocence. Thank you.
Hey, this is John Counts with Michigan Crime Stories. I'm sitting here with uh, I'm Live reporter Darcy Moran, who just finished up this multi-part series about uh, Greg Agnew, who stands accused of murdering his wife, Martha Agnew, and is the suspect in the disappearance of his girlfriend from long ago, Tammy Niver. We're sitting here with some of our MLive colleagues. I'll go around and you guys can introduce yourselves. I'm Khalil Al-Hajel. I'm the evening editor in Ann Arbor. I work with Darcy on editing the story. I'm Paula Gardner. I'm a public interest reporter here at MLive. And back when Tammy Niver disappeared, I was the managing editor of the Ypsilanti Press as Paula Doring. And at that time, she uh, was the boss for Sarah Scott, who you've heard earlier in these episodes. And that's where we want to get started. We want to dig right in. So, Paula, I know when I first started here in Ann Arbor as a police and courts reporter, this was a name that you brought up to me several times. Oh, we need to, we need to check in on the Tammy Niver case. We need to check in on the Tammy Niver case. And, you know, it was one of those things that was always on your mind. So what about that case? What do you remember about it from when it first started that kind of um, persisted and, and kept your interest all those years? What I remember about it is the sheer mystery surrounding it. Like, nobody ever knew what happened to Tammy Niver, and it was so odd because she's somebody who should have been found in one way or another. And I remember asking you to check in to the case and being completely perplexed and enthralled by the fact that the sheriff's department wouldn't talk about it, whatever it was, 15, 20 years later, because they were they said they were actively working it, and that... The, that was puzzling to me. That kind of tips us off because if it's if it's a case that they're not actively investigating, they might not say it in official language, but they'll kind of let us know if it's a big deal or not. And what year was that? So that would have been about 2014, 13? So that becomes interesting in that we know that in 2014, that is when police go to Martha Agnew and Greg Agnew's home to try and arrest Greg. So they were actively doing something at that time, but it, it is, like you just said, kind of always a tip-off when that occurs. And we would learn that, obviously, years later, that that's what was going on. Then the next step was the, the most current development started when Martha died, and we got an email. I got an email because I had written about that lawsuit in 2014, and I forwarded it to Darcy. Remind me what the, yeah. exactly what the email said. So, so this is kind of the beginning of the, you know, if we want to take a step back and talk about how we even came to be discussing this story this year and putting so much effort into it. John, yeah, you had reported that previous lawsuit and forwarded the email to me. And it was kind of a, a creepy, odd email in a way. It The subject line, if I recall correctly, was something like Martha Agnew dead. The body of the email said, do you know how she was murdered? I think there was a word missing, but certainly an ominous email. But on the flip side, as we all know here, that is not actually the weirdest email to get. We get odd emails telling us that people have died or that certain deaths are uh, suspicious, not infrequently, which is probably alarming to people outside of the news realm. But it is that point that we started diving into it and kind of spurred by police lack of commentary on a death and giving answers, we kept diving into it. And and that is where Khalil, my editor, kind of along with Eric English and Sarah Scott directed me on my investigation into this. So Khalil, enlighten us. What happens when a reporter comes to you with a death, like a body and the police are investigating? What are some of the, the kind of pitfalls in the reporting and all that? Well, usually police will tell us a little bit on what happened, 
That's what made this case so strange. Police were being very quiet about exactly what happened. They wouldn't even call it a suspicious death, but it was clear just in how they were talking that it, that it was somehow suspicious. They kept telling Darcy it was complicated. It was a very complicated case. Yeah, I believe the exact commentary, they wouldn't tell me how she died. They were saying, like, it does not appear to be an accident. Something to that effect, which could mean any number of things. That could mean someone dies by an overdose. That means someone could have been killed by homicide. It could have been a suicide, which we would not report on if it happened in a home. So that doesn't really answer anything. And the only other commentary we got was that they don't believe it's a threat to the public. After a while, it just became clear that they weren't going to open up. I remember that night when you talked to me about it, trying to decide whether we had a story to report immediately. I told you, let's let's wait a little bit, keep digging. Police will eventually open up with some more information. They never did, but you kept digging, and strange clues kept coming up, and strange connections to this older case kept coming up, and it was becoming very clear that we had something extraordinary on our hands. So, Paula, when you first heard the news about Martha Agnew and this case was brought back up, were you surprised to hear that? Or Surprise doesn't even cover it. I was absolutely astonished. You know, over the years, like when I asked you to look into the story, I was so curious about Tammy's children and her family and where the investigation went. And it just felt like, like it was this bubble about, you know, what happened to this one woman. And it never occurred to me that this boyfriend at the time of Tammy could be involved in something else like this and that one of her friends from back in the day would have aligned herself to this degree with the boyfriend. And I I just remember just being shocked. I think my mouth opened and my eyes got big and I just begged Darcy for more information. Yeah, and I think it was an interesting thing too because when I first got the name Tammy Niver. It was out of some court records. I was just checking out and I remember asking Paula if you had heard, if you knew the name and the response was, well, yeah, I I know the name. Um, But then, you know, digging deeper into court records when I finally came across, you know, the lawsuit, the, the specific document in the lawsuit, when I finally came across the piece of paper that listed Tammy Niver as, first of all, that he believed she was dead and murdered, and then listing Greg Agnew as the suspect, I believe I went pretty much immediately to Khalil and was like, so there's this. What was that document? Do you remember what, so the moment where you realized that there was a connection to a whole separate possible homicide or disappearance, really, what was that moment where you realized that? And what was the document that you were looking into and why did you go into that document? So I think there was actually two now that I think about it a little bit more. There was first and foremost the personal protection orders that had been filed against Greg Agnew. So when I saw Martha Agnew had died, I started just searching criminal court records on her and see that she had a divorce case pending with Greg Agnew. And at some point in that process, I went and looked Uh, to see if there were any cases against him. And you have to go to a special computer in the courthouse to look at these documents. But I see PPOs listed. And they Martha Agnew, yes, personal protection orders to uh, protect someone from another individual they believe is a danger to them. The court has to determine that there is a case for that to be in place. So when I was looking at those, they were filed by Martha Agnew's family members to protect them against Gregory Agnew and when I was looking at those they had listed all the reasons why they thought he was guilty in the death of Martha Agnew and then they said 
and he was suspected in his ex-girlfriend's disappearance. So beyond that, when looking at the lawsuit, it was a response filed by the sheriff's office that stated very clearly about this incident back in 2014 that they were there to arrest him for the murder of Tammy Niver. There were more, there's more than one PPO against him? Yes. After Martha Agnew died, several family members, I I believe everyone I spoke with, and possibly another um, child filed a personal protection order against Gregory Agnew. He fought them uh, unsuccessfully and tried to say, and his lawyer would repeat this to me later, that they were just trying to keep him away from his wife's funeral. So after listening to all these, it kind of brings up the question, which we can't really answer. We can't really speculate about anything in this case. Um, but the, the question seems to be is, did Martha know about what happened to Tammy Niver and if Greg was responsible for it and if that was possibly a motive for Greg to kill Martha? I mean, you hear in our podcast episode today a bit of the awkward conversation where I paused them and finally said, you know, I, I have to ask, is there any chance that Martha was in on what happened to Tammy? And they were not pleased with that, and I heard about that. They they were understanding that I was doing my job, but certainly that's a tough one to ask. But when it comes down to it, they absolutely think it could be a possible motive. But, you know, they also think there's a lot of possibilities there. I have to say, I, it, like, that was my first question. You know, what did Martha know? And even though we can't answer it, um, she she was married to him for a long time, or at least with him for a long time, and that's a long time to keep a secret. Um, I've wondered, if, if, do you know if Tammy's children stay in touch with Martha? To my knowledge, I, I do know that Tammy's children are in contact with Martha's children. That's the only thing I can say to that effect. You know, as for their relationship with Greg and Martha, I, I can only kind of speculate based on a couple things I'd, I've heard, and I'd rather not get totally into that. And to respect, uh, you know, their wish, their wishes, um, you know, we reached out to them to see if they wanted to speak, and they were not prepared to do so. Tammy Niver's children, but I do know, know I do know that they're in touch. And you, you talk about kind of that long time and what Martha knew. You know, I will say we like, like we've noted, I, I've investigated this for about half a year now, maybe more. And there's a lot that we have learned over the last, you know, six plus months of covering this. And not all of it is things that we are able to broadcast. Some of it is off the record that we can't talk about. But what we can say is, you know, it is unclear, certainly, um, and unconfirmed what Martha Agnew knew. Sure. And uh, how likely are we to get any of these answers in the future court proceedings against Mr. Agnew? Well, maybe Khalil can jump in here and talk a little bit about what court proceedings, you know, what kind of information pops out at those. My favorite sort of court hearings when I was a crime reporter was always the preliminary examination, which in this case is actually scheduled for tomorrow, the day after we're recording this. Could be a lot more to come out of that. Those always seem to be the most fruitful hearings as far as gathering new information, just because it was always the first time detectives and possible witnesses start taking the stand and and spilling what they know um, as prosecutors try to convince the judge to send the case forward to trial. So I I imagine there will be some surprises, some more information that'll come as soon as the day after we record this. 
Yeah, it's kind of odd timing on that part. So we would ask that everyone keep up with us on MLive.com and, and check in with us. And we um, may even include, if we are able, uh, an update within this episode uh, before we go to publish. So Martha Agnew died from a fentanyl overdose, correct? No. She died by strangulation, and they found that there was heroin and fentanyl in her system. But the actual cause of death, strangulation. Okay, so had, had she been a known heroin user throughout her life? Police, when I asked that question, said they were unaware of a history of that. Um, I believe family has indicated that she wasn't um, a major drug user. And so certainly they felt when the question of an overdose came up, they immediately felt that it was there was foul play involved. Very good. I just wanted to ask one more question. And thank you again, Paula and Cleo, for joining us. You know, Cleo obviously worked as my editor on this story, and, and Paula was the editor on the original. And I'm just curious your take overall, any final takes on this overall issue and what surprised you most or was the biggest takeaway for you guys having worked on this but also covered other or other criminal cases before? What surprises me is during my time in Washtenaw County and uh, from what I've heard before that, I cannot remember a single case where there would be two victims across this type of a time span. Uh, I think it's absolutely stunning that somebody possibly got away with a crime like this and then did it again. This is just something I have never heard of or seen of here in this community, and I think we should not underestimate how rare it is in, in crimes in general. And again, noting that Greg isn't convicted, but but certainly suspected in both, it's very notable. The extraordinary thing for me uh, with this story was just that, you know, in most crime and court reporting, it's all driven by police and what police are willing to um, reveal and what they've investigated. In this case, police revealed nothing to you, Darcy, as you were working on it. And it just required knocking on doors and, you know, boots on the ground, uh, reporting all over the place, and going back going back into the reporting of several reporters and, and editors going back decades and connecting the dots over several decades to uh, bring the story together. I'd like to thank everybody for asking and answering such great questions about this case. Uh, I also wanted to do a quick PSA because this case potentially involves domestic violence. There is a phone number I'd like to share for victims of domestic violence. They can get help at 1-800-799-7233. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been Michigan Crime Stories. Following the recording of this podcast, Gregory Agnew underwent his preliminary examination in the February 2018 death of Martha Agnew. During the hearing, Gregory Agnew audibly cried as his stepdaughter, Kristen McGeorge, testified. It was revealed that Martha Agnew was found naked with a gaping wound on her head. It appeared she'd been washed, one detective said. He noted the syringe found at the scene was larger than what intravenous drug users prefer. Ultimately, Gregory Agnew was bound over to circuit court to await trial. His attorney said he plans to have outside experts review the DNA evidence against his client. Thanks to Martha Agnew's family, Ronald R. Gold, Sarah Scott, Paula Sarnovsky, and Stacey Burke for speaking with us. And thanks to you for listening. You can keep following the progress on this case at MLive.com. You can also join us during our October 24th, 2018 Ask Me Anything session on Reddit, where we'll answer questions in real time on this case.
If you enjoyed this season of Michigan Crime Stories, please rate us on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you have story suggestions for next season, feel free to give me a shout at johncounts at mlive.com. That's J-O-H-N-C-O-U-N-T-S at mlive, M-L-I-V-E dot com. Thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.